0: Change hurts.
1: The NFA rule changes
0: with the aerial thing. Do you think that really hurts the sport?
1: I do not. I don't think it hurts the sport at all. I, you know, I I think it's it's definitely making waves. A lot of people are like up in arms about it. Some people are like this is awful. Other people are like it has to be done. I think this is just one of those things, as with everything today, that everyone has a strong opinion about, and in a couple months, no one will even care about it.
0: Yeah, you think so? Yeah, I
1: have, I have a feeling. I think, like... Because uh, a
0: lot of people made a big deal about it. Yeah? Yeah.
1: Well, like, uh, give us an example.
0: Well, I know, I mean, just from, like, social media, like, there's, like, tons of posts about it. Um, like, some of... One of, like, George Ryle's kids even did a... a um, Like a mock... There's, like, a mock joke thing about it. Yeah, there's one... There's some quote-unquote famous archer who did a little fake video or uh-huh. on Arrow Twirling University stuff and whatnot. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was stupid. Yeah, it was ridiculous. But anyways, no, but I, it, it seems like it's a lot of people are talking about it. Right. Um, I think a lot of people... For me personally, when I first I heard about it, I thought it was a joke, but then it turns out like it's a real thing. and um, We should explain how this came about exactly
1: because when I heard that they banned it, They didn't say why or like I didn't know about why until I think it was Brandon Williamson sent me the the screenshot from it of uh, like Chuck Cooley saying what had happened.
0: Yeah. So like some kid, I guess, hit another kid with an arrow in the face. Okay, And so the kid got hurt. Yeah. I think
1: I think Chuck Cooley said it drew blood. And so that's why they had to make some kind of ruling on it. Yeah. I'm not 100 percent, you know. This is all kind of in the back of my memory, uh, so I I encourage anyone to go
0: online and try to find this out for themselves. But I think we're pretty close to. I think I think it's a personally. I think it's a little foolish because there's already a rule, you know, in in the rule books about interfering with another archer, uh-huh. or you know, arrows coming in contact with an archer. Um, don't ask me what chapter or section, but I know it's there. So I don't see how adding another rule is actually going to. Right. But is that not a rule to penalize
1: someone who touches another archer? I believe this this new like no twirling thing is a preventative rule to keep people from possibly poking someone or smacking someone or you know
0: I guess jabbing someone. Well, I'll be honest, for selfish reasons, it's going to affect my shot sequence oh, pretty yeah. bad.
1: I don't know how many people out there have watched Rudy shoot. But the guy twirls the arrow so hard he should be marching at the front of a parade.
0: Well, it's not that bad.
1: Uh, you, you you get some extra twirls. I've, there's the extreme twirl, which is like
0: Lexi Keller's like twirl, and then a the finger like little doodad. I mean, I just grab the, the arrow from like the, about the base of the vein, and then uh-huh. I just sort of roll it in my hand to get it through the shoot through riser. Of the uh-huh. And then you pull it back. You do a pizza twirl. And then you not even not even that. It's like a half twist, but it it looks like a major twirl. <laughs> well, not really. I call it the half twist. Well, I I'm, saying, I'm saying knuckle flick. It, it is, but it is fast and aggressive. To it is it fast. It looks like, yeah, but it's nothing like what I've seen some 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 people do. Like, right. where it's it's like where they're like it's out in front of their face. Like mine is just behind my back. It's just a like a little flip just to get it uh-huh. to, yeah. through the the riser of the bow.
1: I have admittedly twirled arrows right onto the ground before like
0: yeah. now i've i've had people like when i've done it doing it like uh that were standing next to me like they jumped off the line as i was doing it and like walked into me mm-hmm. and and i dropped my arrow on the floor but like you know they, they would have hit me anyways yeah you know because they weren't like paying attention to so but
1: i, I think because we are pretty decent archers we're pretty experienced guys we're quick learners to some degree i feel like most people
0: won't have trouble adjusting to this rule yeah i guess so i mean i'll just have to relearn it but i still think it's kind of silly that like where they're making rules like this you know i mean from from what i see you know like field archery attendance is way down Mm -hmm. at least participation in our state um, I don't I don't know much about the national level, but like I feel like, hey, if we want to grow this sport, like how, why are we making so many rules, you know? And right, why it, are we
1: putting limitations on what people yeah, can do?
0: You know, I mean, it's it's kind of already kind of overwhelming. I think for new shooters, I mean, there's so many classes already. Right, there's a lot of classes. You know, and, you know, and, and it it can be really confusing. And a field round, you're shooting from
1: all. Well, it used to be shooting from all these different stakes, yeah. which was pretty overwhelming, but. I mean, it's, you know, well, I don't think it's a, personally, I don't think it's a big deal. I think a lot of people have, are definitely entitled to their own opinions, but a lot of people have those opinions, don't shoot an NFAA. They might shoot like Vegas and maybe Reading and that's it. And to those people, hey, I respect your opinion, but if you, unless you shoot a full NFAA season, what do you care? You're just going to twirl your arrows at your home field anyway.
0: Yeah. Well, this is a good segue for me to plug Outlaws again. Uh-huh. Which I, we've done almost every single episode. Of course, that's our. That's I mean, our it just home. it just seems like Safari is taking over in California, and and I I think that's a good thing. You know, it's fairly easy to set up twenty eight targets on a on a on a range that doesn't have maybe, you know, um, the ability to hold you know sixty targets or even forty two targets. You know, and uh, it's two arrows. You shoot them all from the same spot. And, you know, you get the long distance, you get it even past 80. Cause I mean, right. on average we shoot, the closest we shoot is two feet. Yeah. Longest one I've ever shot was like 109 at West Valley. What? They got a big Turkey. That's like at 109 yards. That's cool. Yeah. So, you know, this is a good thing for, for Safari, which kind of falls under an FAA, but in California it, it falls under novelty shoots. So, you know, right. The rules kind of change from club to club, but there's not a lot of rules. It's to begin with, so it's you know, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like by adding more rules, we're we're just making it more difficult for for people to get into the sport. And if and if it is a legal thing, like with the twirling and the, all that kind of stuff, then I mean, it's like I would like to play devil's advocate here because.
1: You only started twirling when you hit a certain level. Noobs don't twirl right out of the gate. When you hit a certain level of proficiency, you realize, oh, it's fast if I whip my arrow out of my quiver and jam it into my bow this certain way. And I, I feel like that's something. I feel like if you if you just stop it from ever starting, people will never venture down that. If The first person that does that and someone says, hey, you can't do that. I'll be, oh, okay. Against well, the,
0: the way, but see, that's just it. It's such a silly thing. Cause like, honestly, the, the, when I first started trolling arrows, I wasn't like the best shooter, but it, but it made sense. Yeah. You know, I saw who, who you but know? you're at
1: a level of proficiency at the very least You're Right. I'd imagine your gears all rounded out for some, it, some degree. it made
0: sense. Cause you know, I saw someone do it and I said, oh, that's an easy way to get the arrow in there. Because then it was like, when I, when I got my first shoot through riser, it was a little bit awkward to get the arrow through the right the riser so and then when i saw someone doing it i like and it's funny because it wasn't even an attempt to even try to do it i just it just kind of started happening uh-huh so
1: that's a good incentive to shoot a matthew's bow rudy would be to you can load it any which way you don't have to yeah well, pipe yeah. it right down the shoot through riser
0: yeah, I, I I think it feels good. But anyway, so we're not like, <laughs> so we're not like gonna make this whole podcast about arrow twirling. Um, it is something if you guys out there listening want to comment on. Yeah, please weigh in
1: and and tell us who's right and who's wrong here, because you know. Neither one of us is right or wrong, but I'm most definitely right, and Rudy is since so wrong. <laughs> See,
0: Wendell's just trying to do anything he can to mess with me before indoors because he wants to like beat me really bad. So <laughs> that may be. That- <laughs>
1: so That's not the only uh, NFA rule change,
0: right? The- well, I honestly I didn't read into it too much, but you know, they they propose some changes that only affect sectionals. Okay. Just sectionals. Sectionals for now. But um And it's it's a
1: provisionary what do they call it? Provisional one year trial thing. Yeah.
0: And and I guess the attempt is to try to get more field more archery clubs or archery ranges to set up field rounds. Because as it is right now, not not every club can or has the room or the space to facilitate um You know, a legitimate field round. Yeah, field 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 round. round. Yeah. That's a
1: 14 14 hunter, 14 target. No,
0: no, if you're going to shoot it like legit, it's 28 field, Oh, it's 28, just like in nationals. Yeah. And then a handful of animals. Yeah, what we do in California for our state is like a modified field round. It's, you know, or what we've done in the past when it was the mail-in tournament, it was a 14, 14, and 14, or 14, 14, and then a 28 animal round. Mm-hmm. and then for uh and then uh what they've been doing since it's been down in Arango, they are doing it 28 field 28 hunter and 28 animal animals all right but the animal's fast because it was only one arrow
1: right right animal rounds are a little bit quicker
0: yeah but well, i mean i hope i hope that whatever the NFAA is doing i hope it works out for the better so did i i'm somewhat familiar
1: on this i i know that they they change it to three arrows instead of four, right? They've
0: eliminated fans and walk-ups. Yeah, and I think what they want to do is instead of the walk-ups, you just shoot all the arrows from the longest stake. stake. And I guess that could make things a little bit more efficient, you Mm -hmm. know, so you're not having to move your sight too much.
1: I also like that now your 80 yards are now your 80-yard target. You got to shoot three arrows at it versus one and then walk up. I think that's kind of cool. Same with the seven. I don't
0: personally think it's more... I don't think it's more challenging. You because, know? No, because I think the, those long range targets are gonna weed out some weenies. I think the opposite because if your first shot is low, slightly low in the dot at 80, right? And then let's use the 80-yard walk-up as an example at San Francisco Archers. Please do. Okay. So you shoot that first shot at 80, mm-hmm. right? It's downhill. Uh-huh. And, and you miss you know, your mind. There's, there's a little bit of wind, right? If if I if I'm just out of the dot or you know, I'm a little bit low. I get another try that second arrow. I'm going to make some, some clicks, make some adjustments, compensate for the win. And you know, I'm probably going to hit it on the, on the second, third and fourth one. But now when you move down to the 70 yard walk up, right, you're now at a different angle, different position. You're shooting at it from like a slightly, uh, from a totally different angle and view. So you have to start over. It's like you only, you're, so it's like you're you shooting only get one shot. You only get one shot at that distance. Right. So from a technical standpoint, I see it as, um, it's i feel like it's going to be easier right because because then you're only shooting at one distance and so you can you you can not that i mean pro you don't miss because if you miss a point you're limiting yourself but at least in amateur class like you know if if you drop one point you know it's not the end of the world right you, you can you can make so some adjustments and we could
1: probably assume like the average score will go up a little bit for whatever the total score will be Maybe probably be a little bit higher, but yeah. all of our scores will probably be up
0: a little. And, more. and you know what? If it did, then it's like, do then they have to start counting extra points, maybe on X's or start counting X's as extra points. That could be. I if, think because uh, if the scores do improve, and you know, you know, how do you how do you determine um, tiebreakers and stuff? That I did
1: see that get suggested. I would imagine tiebreakers would still go to X count and things like that. Yeah. But, but um, um, I'm excited. I I think it's going to be a really fun season. I hope. That clubs get to that try, they try to adopt this. They probably won't,
0: but who cares? You know what I'd like to see? Hmm. I would like to see Safari be king with an orange dot. Safari is. On king. paper, on paper with okay. a little X in the middle. Like a Spot Hog Safari. Like a Spot Hog Safari or any kind of variation of some sort of orange dot that has a little X ring in the middle. And you get that extra point if you hit the middle, middle. So, like.
1: Ooh, or what if it's a little fourteen pink dot up in the corner,
0: or something like that? Yeah, like well, yeah, and then I'd, I've heard like uh, like an archery X-ring, golf, the archery golf.
1: What if you get an X ring inside the pink dot? It's fifteen points.
0: Okay, now you're getting silly.
1: <laughs> what if you make a smaller? No, never mind. <laughs> no.
0: no, but I mean, like you know, it. I guess, if the, at least in Safari, there's very few people shooting clean. I mean, true. You're it, it's So far, it's been you. Ah, and people have come close.
1: That's in the past though. If you asked me to do that today, I would take a shit all over the place and well, not be able to do that.
0: Well, once the outdoor season comes around, I'm sure you'll be ready. Yeah, we'll see. So okay, enough about that. How about just ending ending this uh, to wrap
1: up to the outdoor season? Yeah,
0: like like uh, how do you feel it went this year? It was a lot of um, fun. Yeah. This was a really good season. Yeah, because you, you and uh, Jim ended up in second place for the Outlaws. Second or third? No, second. Oh, it is second. Yeah, because we were third.
1: Oh, I guess that, that last event was such an ass-kicking. I, it was tough. I might as well just...
0: It felt like last. Yeah.
1: Um, we were all... It was... Our teams were in the running with Brandon and his brother, and they ended up pulling through. I mean, they were sitting in first from the get-go.
0: Yeah, they. it, it was theirs to lose because... Brandon, Brandon and his brother Trent were tied, or they weren't tied for, I'm sorry, they, they were first place, and they had a one-point lead on Emerson and myself and Wendell and uh, Jim, Padilla. Jim Padilla. So really the only way for either one of our teams to take that first place seed was if they dropped a point in Oregon, and they right. didn't, they stayed they shot clean. Right. So they shot so, so even if... Your team was clean the entire weekend, and my team was clean the entire weekend. It wasn't gonna happen. Mm-hmm. We basically it was you, us, you, you versus us, battling for second place. Right. So. Well. You know, it but it was also like- ours to lose too, because in third, you know, coming in uh, the, the the next tier down, there was you know the people that were down two points. So. Right. You know it was. It was uh That's true. There were people right behind It was us. a grind. I would say for this year there's a lot of really good people that show up at Outlaws. Yes. And the talent the talent is showing is and, getting a lot sharper. And there were some new people shooting great. Yeah.
1: I think there's also I'm always ranting and raving about the young younger generation of shooters from last year being really dangerous this year and next year. And these are all kids now that are kind of adults, 19, 18. Yeah, they're younger than us their vision is better than ours they they don't have bad backs they don't have bad backs they don't have to diet. feet don't hurt they don't have to work I mean they probably work but there's a lot of these kids now that are coming out and they're shooting really good and you know I'm doing everything I can to stall their dreams you know but I feel like you know we're gonna have to work a lot harder yeah to keep crushing these children's dreams and well
0: why why crush their dreams when you could maybe just shoot really well and they can be like i want to be a wendell souza one day
1: i mean they they will but i'll i mean i the whole point is to crush their dreams so i can live happy i mean that's the i'm not happy unless these kids are
0: <laughs> in second place ladies and gentlemen you can send all your hate mail to wendell souza designs at yeah uh my email is uh emerson munkers at yahoo.com <laughs> yeah
1: but uh a good example is drake taylor right he's a young yeah a young gentleman who's shooting really well yeah uh and uh austin watts
0: Austin, yeah he's doing really well who's
1: also shooting really well those are two kids that i, I i'm sorry i call you guys kids i know you guys are like technically adults but you're young and
0: you're younger than us but you know what we do respect you guys because you guys are shooting good. a great deal yes. i mean
1: rudy respects you guys i make voodoo dolls of you guys and burn them <laughs> It's Everything I can do to just stay on top it, for one more. That's day.
0: actually flattery, guys. If Wendell has a voodoo all of you in his house, then that means that he actually likes you. So yeah,
1: yeah. Or if I'm terrified of you guys, you know, it's it's all good stuff. Yeah. And um, you know, it was crazy. As I was so nervous about these kids coming up to beat us, I didn't even really pay attention to Brandon Williamson, who
0: yeah you know what that's funny that you say that best years it's funny that you say that because it's like i I mean i i wasn't i'm not trying to 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 brag or nothing but like i just don't think about that kind of stuff Uh uh-huh like i just i you know that's good you shouldn't i just you know i'm gonna go shoot my shot i I was stoked to you know be shooting with emerson and you know i was just looking forward to having fun me and emerson are gonna shoot together and this is gonna be a great year. Um, so I was more excited about just going to the events and being there and shooting, uh, more so than, um, who do I have to beat? But, you know, be honest, I didn't pay attention to what Brandon was doing and what Brandon was doing was fantastic. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, he shot and he had an incredible year.
1: So for anyone who doesn't know who Brandon is, he's a pro shooter out of Salinas. He, uh, is a prime shooter. I don't even know what shop he he shot. For I
0: believe he shot a nine twenty two. Or is it nine twenty two or nine twenty one in Lodi?
1: Uh, I believe he was a nine twenty two.
0: In Lodi. In and Lodi, uh, yeah. And then in uh and then in uh, Nevada City he was in the in the in the high I think the nine eighteens, nine nineteen. Yeah, he was uh, up there. And then and then uh, you know in uh in uh Oregon, he I mean he only dropped he didn't I think he only dropped like five points.
1: Right. And then him and uh his uh his buddy his brother. I uh, no training. for Reading.
0: Oh Reading. Oh yeah and then on Reading him and him and um his partner, you know, won the team event.
1: Yeah. And so Brandon's been shooting great all year. And I think uh he's one of the guys that I you know Brandon talks a lot of shit to me personally,
0: but he's such a humble dude. Like when you, but meet he's when you meet him in humble. person, He's really yeah. quiet.
1: He's and quiet. He doesn't talk a lot of shit. I mean, to every everyone else, yeah. Um, he's he's yeah. He's quiet. He's humble. He's not a loud pain in the ass. He's just
0: he's just pretty low key. Yeah. He shows up to the event and like if he shows up, guys hide your wallets because he's about to take your money.
1: Yeah. And Brandon's so low key. He's like the closest thing to a pool hustler in archery. I yeah. wouldn't say that. Oh, dude. What's the whole... So there was speculation about Oregon, right? Where he wasn't going to show. Because he's like, oh, I'd rather go hunting. I don't even... I've never been to Oregon. Like, that's... Ugh, you guys all have fun with that. And then he shows up and fucking wins it. Right? Like, that's... That's, that's not a
0: pool hustle. That's just... That's Brandon that's in a That's just poor planning.
1: The, the weight loss challenge that we're doing, Brandon is losing a ton of weight, hasn't even mentioned a single pound that he's lost. The guy looks like Tom Hanks from Philadelphia, and he hasn't even mentioned how much weight he's lost
0: well wow. okay so back to archery um <laughs> so we we had a good year with outlaws and so hopefully for next year um those have i've since we've been doing this podcast and we've done now we're on our sixth episode we've had a lot of guys that are like been asking a ton of questions about it and it's cool because i i think next year get ready to have a ton of new people showing up at these outlaw events and they're and they're ready to do it so you know for that i'm gonna say mission accomplished
1: you know speaking of next year um do you feel like you've learned anything special this year that you can carry into next year
0: oh a ton what do you think The big what's the what's the the peak thing what's the top this year i really really tinkered and tweaked a lot with draw length Uh uh-huh um, you know, just, you know, adjusting my cables and string to get it, just to get that right feel and, uh, stabilizers. I feel like this year I took it more seriously than any other year and I wasn't afraid to move something when I needed to move it. So for example, in the past, you know, I treated stabilizers as a static item, right? Like and, set it and forget it. Yeah. And that's totally wrong totally wrong approach. I mean, that's something where it's like from day to day, we feel differently. Like I agree. You know, one day you work hard, you work harder than some days at work. You know, you're always working, but you know, some days might be a little bit more stressful than others. And so the next day you might feel a little bit more pain or you might be sore. So you hold the bow differently. And so you might have to tweak the bar angle just a little bit or add half an ounce here or there to, or even announce just to make it feel right. And so the the big thing that I learned this year was uh when when the bow wasn't holding the way I wanted it to or just what the, I wasn't getting the float that I know I wanted, I I quick I was able to fix it really quickly instead of um waiting. And right. so that for me was was two big things uh that, that I really worked on. And the other thing was, was setting some more clear goals for right. what I wanted to do event wise.
1: I know you didn't just carpet bomb events this year. You, you picked events that you wanted. To yes. Do. And,
0: and, and, uh, and, and, uh, that wasn't a unique idea for me. That was something that I, I heard, um, I've heard cousins talking about it all the time. Right. I've heard, um, Jesse you know, Broadwater. Uh, yeah. And
1: Brayden Galantino. I've been, I've been that.
0: hearing a lot of the top pros talking about, you know, specializing or focusing on certain events. And certainly it's not a living, I'm not, you know, getting paid to shoot a bow here, but I thought, well, that, that approach should work good for me. Um, I also had some goals, you know, for work as well, you know, in the archery shop and, you know? And it's like, if I am out shooting every other weekend, then I'm not selling bows. I'm not working. So, so part of it was, okay, I, I need to balance my time a little bit better here. So what I did was I said, I'm going to do every outlaw event and I'm going to do redding. And, um, and then I was going to do Pegasus, And so, and then that also allowed me the time to go hunting this year. So Right. You know, and so that, you know, because for the last two years, I haven't been hunting because I've been putting too so much, much emphasis on target. Yeah, so much so, effort into target. You know, um, so that's been the big thing for me was to just sort of back off on the events. And if I look at the timeline, it's it's been great because it gave me a good like two to three weeks breaks in between events. So after Lodi, I was able to go come home, mm-hmm. set the bow down for a day or two, take a break and then really objectively come go to the outdoor range. And, and work on what I needed to work on and be ready for the next one. And oh. I shot personal best at every single event. So
1: There's- let me ask, Rudy earlier, you would mentioned you would tweak your draw length a little bit to, to get just the right. Are you looking for a hold or are you looking for execution or are you looking for a combination of the two? Or
0: what, what do you adjust your draw length for? For me, it was to control my front shoulder a little better. Okay. Um. And then also how the release. I'm holding the release in my hand. I found like, if I'm getting a little bit too deep in my hand, I'm like I'm like kind of fisting it, or mm-hmm. you know, not, you know, doing contrary to what Emerson Munkers would tell you to do.
1: Like right. Rudy just said, fisting it.
0: Going. Yes. Um. I did say that. Um. You know. So just getting the draw link perfect to where my hand stayed straight. Uh huh. You know, the back of my hand stayed straight, and the I, flat hand. Yeah, had a nice and had a good control in the release. So, so ju- tweaking that draw length, and
1: I take it you shortened your draw length.
0: Yes, then that meant shortening it up, and having it actually control my front shoulder better. Because if it, I felt like if it was too long and I was like fisting in one hand, then it was easier for my shoulder to creep on me. So it really helped me this year to control that and keep it down and keep it you know down and forward. Gotcha. So,
1: so shortening that draw length. Kind of lended, and I'm not that. talking like
0: going down a whole, you know, module size and draw right. length. Right, I would
1: imagine what you probably did like let two
0: twists out of your cables and maybe added a twist to your string. Yeah, I mean, it, well, what I actually let me be more exact, what I did end up going down half a size and draw length module. I did go down to the lower module, but I ended up adding twists to my string or to my cables to to lengthen, bring it up because I didn't want right. to add so many to the string itself. So so I went I went the other way I'm I rather add than take away, so but but we're talking about you know, you know quarter of an inch here, right? adjustment ultimately, and then
1: you've adjusted a quarter of an inch.
0: Yeah, I ended up over the course of the entire year changing it, going a quarter inch down in draw length. That's 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 pretty cool. I think um,
1: I know when I shortened my draw length, shots broke a little cleaner. I got a little stronger in the shot. I'm not necessarily shooting the. Emerson style, but I would think with Emerson style and flattening that release handout, it makes things feel a little longer. Mm -hmm. makes it, things feel a little floatier, And so I would think, you know, uh, you know, changing your drawing through your cables and string is kind of necessary.
0: Yeah. What did, what did you learn this
1: year? Uh, the big thing I learned this year was probably kind of like an old, Thing was, just not tinker so much. I, like, I think I did a little bit too much tinkering. I mean, you switched bows twice. Yes. I Just for fun, just for funsies. Sometimes when you shoot really good with something, it kind of creeps into your head that you need to shoot that good all the time. So if you I had it in my mind, like I, I already knew I wasn't shooting as good, you know, as I had previously with my Matthews. So I switched to my, my old Hoyt, my Prevail, shot really good with that got the same heebie-jeebies and switched back to my Matthews and probably should have just stuck with one bow and just sat it out, you know?
0: Yeah, I like, think if you would have been shooting with Emerson this year, he probably would have told you to, if you're gonna, he would have probably given you one of those, like, serious Emmy talks of, yeah. if you're gonna shoot with me this year, you're only gonna shoot one bow. Wendell. He would have definitely slapped a bow out of my hands. Yeah, he, sure. He, he would have. But since you weren't shooting with him, I don't think he... <laughs> 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 He, That's fair. He was a little bit more reserved. That's
1: fair. So for me, next season, my main goal is going to be to stick with one bow, one setup, one type of arrow. Because I jumped around.
0: Yes, all you, different types. You of shot arrows. like five different arrows. Yeah. Well. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
1: I shot Aces. I shot um, uh, Vaps. I, I actually got I victory shot arrows. to Carbon shoot really Express. Low. Shot Carbon Express arrows. um and you know they're all decent arrows. Uh, Did you even shoot the pierces?
0: Or was actually, last year's setup.
1: So, on my my pierce tours, I got them way underspined. I I got 600s, and I cut them extremely short, and they flew so fast out of my bow that the string would, after it hit the stop, would oscillate and smack me in the arm. This is on my prevail, right? So there's no sp- no st- string stop on that, right? So it would. That it was just, it was too fast. Like, it was it was out of this world. And uh, it kind of wigged me out. So I gave those to my girlfriend. Fiance. So she's shooting those now with yeah. 80 green points. And she's making some good speed with those.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a good over. Um, so what would you take into next season? Well, um, you know, equipment. I'm super happy with the way, with the this, this setup that I have now. And the way I'm running it, you mm-hmm. know, um, if I end up changing bows next season, um, I'm going to set everything up exactly, you know, well, I'm going to have to take some time to learn the new, yeah. what, what, to learn the feeling, whatever bow. bow I try, you know, whether I try a Matthews or a shoot, oh. whatever I try or whatever I end up doing, um, you know, I will, um, approach it. Very, obj- more objectively than I think I have in the past. Mm-hmm. And so it's not, it's, I'm going to go beyond, you know, the basic setups that I normally do um, and stabilization. I'm going to take it to the next level and really work on that even further. That's, um, that's pretty crucial. Yeah. I, I think uh, a and lot of people set next, up their bars. The next thing I do want to do is um, I definitely want to play around with Bomar's um, spine machine. For arrows? For arrows and for stabilizer. So... Um, basically, you know most people most of you out there have heard of bear shaft tuning. and so um but there's two types of bear shafting that people do. One is is more of a knock tune where you shoot a bear shaft into the target and you rotate the knocks and you you know to you they all group So to, to where they're all grouping together and basically what's happening is the arrow has a natural flex plane. and so you know, it, just like you know, golf clubs you know they they have machines that find the natural flex plane within within the you know the shaft to you know figure out where they need to put the head or the handle i mean i don't know anything about golf i just know they, they use yeah they, i believe they
1: call it a golf shaft puring yeah uh, and so a
0: pure golf shaft they're finding
1: the stiff plane on the on the shaft
0: right and so scott bomar um has um come up with a device um and currently right now he's He's um, renting it to people. So if you want to rent the machine, he can send it to you for two weeks. And um, basically what the device does is it helps you f- mark the natural flex plane of the arrow. And so once once you figure out where that natural flex plane is, um, then you can mark the arrow. And basically when you go to Noctune, you only have to shoot the arrow in two positions instead of having to rotate it 300 and essentially right. 360 degrees. So it cuts down on the amount of time that it takes for you to, um, you know, actually noctune, And it's more, um, in my opinion, it's going to be more precise because you're using the device is actually going to tell you where that flex plane is. And you basically eliminate a bunch of variables to exactly you eliminate a bunch of variables. Right. Now I also want to take that same tool and apply it to stabilizers because after talking with Scott, you know, you stabilizers are basically giant, arrows. a giant arrow. And so if you can set up that stabilizer to, you know, where, you, you know, it's on that natural flex plane, right. When you, when you go to hit, when you go to full draw and you, and you, and that stabilizer is going to work there, right. If the, if that stabilizer is not in that natural flex plane, right. It's going to add more, vibration and movement to your bar than than if it was on that flex plane
1: all right now i would like to play devil's advocate here again and i would say if that were important
0: it would settle things down it's basically just to settle things down yeah and if faster I,
1: I do believe if that were the case the micro diameter hex stabilizers or like just the skinny stabilizers that are way more flexy would not be popular I think uh because those just you know they wobble and wiggle all over the place.
0: Well, it it's not so much the wobble and wiggle as how the direction the direction of in and which move. it's 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 moving and and also how it's it has to do more with the direction and how it's moving and how quickly it settles. Gotcha. Know? And so um I guess you would have to like have scott send you an email with the, the videos that he has of actually seeing how it works and how you set it up for for me to explain it i'm probably butchering it completely here but if you if you watch some of the videos that he made about how it actually works like it makes perfect sense right well it when, is intriguing when you see it it's definitely intriguing and i'll be the first
1: person to tell you that i fully believe in noctuning tuning arrows yeah you know i and if you can eliminate, because sometimes when I knock two arrows, I'll do like a full two rotations completely around on an arrow. Wow. And just so people know, that my procedure for, I think some people should, you know, just to be clear, like when I, when I knock two arrows, I take a, a dozen arrows bare shaft out to 35 yards, sometimes 50 yards. I'll shoot them into the spot, you know, or try to shoot them into a spot. And then uh, whichever arrows are furthest out, I pull. And then I shoot them all again until I have all my arrows in the spot.
0: And you're rotating them. The one, the outliers, you're rotating them. Yes, and seeing if exactly. With the ones that are... I
1: pull the ones that are outside and I, I will rotate the knock a quarter turn. Okay. And sometimes I end up doing two or three complete rotations around, either from bad shots from me or yep. maybe slipping on when I rotate the knock or whatever. So I can see if you have a machine that can eliminate...
0: It basically gets you down to shooting two positions yeah. as
1: opposed to. So you should be able to just like, yep. you know, check this side. Is it in? No. Nope. Flip it. Check that side. Is it in? Yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. I know Louis set up his, his, his arrows that way and he, he rented the machine from Scott and, uh-huh. uh, um, there's a specific call it for every arrow. So it's not like just when the machine fits everybody, like there's an adapter for every arrow so like you have to be like super specific on the arrow that you With have what kind of arrow you're going yeah. to tune yeah and so he actually told me that um when he did the X10s for Sheila that um out of all the arrows they tested that she the X10 was the only arrow where one of the arrows was perfect
1: interesting
0: yeah but that was one arrow out of a dozen right it wasn't all of them so right even the X10 has a natural
1: uh, natural plane yeah Yeah. stiff plane uh, i can say that but he
0: said they were more consistent than any other i'm sure i could say
1: the the vaps they all have a spinal lined label yeah i'd and be curious to test that i did test it and i found that it is not not true and i'm not putting vaps down because they're a great arrow and i shot them all season i won the state 3D championship with with vaps but i pretty much ended up just um acetoning those labels off after uh because they're maybe two out of the dozen of them were right on mm-hmm. so i i have a feeling they have a spine tester and they're just hitting the close. high and low well yeah. that's
0: how i used to do it too um prior to doing the bear shaft method um is i used used one of those bear paw machines before to flex them and then and then i would write down the number every you know quarter turn or so mm-hmm. and Kind of go that one. Now, when you do your your bear shaft tuning or your your uh, knock road, sorry, knock tuning, um, which means shooting bear shafts, is it? Are you um, where do where do you fletch the arrow? Do you fletch it on the high? I just Make them all the same.
1: I, I so the thing is the bits and burger jig, kind of like, if if you if you put your arrow in it. With your mark. So I should say. You after have to I,
0: rotate the knock basically to get it to line up with the jet. Exactly. And I don't want to do that. And that's your so, cock vein. So what
1: I do is I just make sure for me. After I put all my veins on. I like I just. Well. I make sure that that the mark on the arrow is facing up. Right. Yeah. The same direction up. After I fletch them all. Pretty much what that mark is is 11 o'clock. If you have a cock vein sitting at 12. My mark is always at 11. So all my arrows have an 11 o'clock.
0: Okay. Silver mark on them, and you're just doing that on every single one of them. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, well, that's pretty good. Um, so it. basically, it honestly, like, I this is now something technical for everybody. Like, if you're not doing this and you're, you're shooting carbon arrows, you really should be doing it. Um, I agree. Like, if now what we're talking about here means diddly forty and under, like, I would if, agree. If you're shooting. The, the, where, where this really becomes important is when you're shooting long distance.
1: Yeah, I would say 60 yards to yeah, 80 Yeah, if you're yards.
0: shooting the long stuff, this is the difference of grouping. Um, I feel like it makes a bigger difference when you're for 80. So, Eight, you know, those longer shots, you you, you you will see a significant improvement in grouping at the long distance. Yes. I mean, you I, still got to do your job and make the shot, but...
1: Yeah, it's just all you're doing is making a slightly more forgiving or more consistent arrow that's that's all it is yeah you just you're doing a little bit of work to figure out where those arrows naturally want to land yeah
0: so for next year um you're gonna pay more attention to you're gonna continue doing that is there anything else in your setup that you want to um you know i'm
1: kind of fiddling around with a hamski arrow rest i i kind of am having trouble setting it up right i'm i'm a a blade uh, loyalist, kind of, where I've always shot a blade, but the idea of shooting a ham ski just kind of intrigues me. I, I have one on my hunting bow, and it shoots lasers, so I would kind of like to get that system going for my target bow.
0: Um, I'm never i I'm not gonna say I'm never going back to a blade, but I've had such good results with it that like I'm I'm riding that train into next year, and I'm probably gonna ride it right an indoor too.
1: Really? Yeah. I would like to. That's the thing. I would like to get a ham ski set up for indoor. Yeah. The one time I did have one set up really good on a podium, it
0: was dynamite. That was the year you shot that 899 in Vegas. Yeah. You were yeah. running hamski, weren't you? I had a
1: hamski. Uh, yep. I had the Dave Cousins set up where it was had a best blade on it, and I bent the end of the best blade to kind of cup the arrow. Yeah. And then I ran four
0: fletch. And... and this isn't a shameless plug for a hamski arrow rest. This is just any kind of limb-driven rest. I'm, yeah, it could be any, it, any it limb-driven be, yeah, rest. Yeah, we're talking like fletching fletch contact is the devil
1: yeah yeah and yeah. I think I think there's definitely something to be said about uh being able to send an arrow out I think you know I mean to continue as is send an arrow out with no fletch contact I think is you're gonna see a slight amount of performance gain uh I've always shot a blade I shot out a blade very well and for sure there's some small amount of vein contact there but it's such a negligible amount that I was kind of like, whatever, you know? but You, know, you uh, know what
0: I felt shooting the drop-away rest this year that I was really happy with is when I was shooting a blade and I, and I made a mistake, or I had just one of those moments where it wasn't, like, it was a good shot, but I maybe just, you know, wasn't, like, it was like 90%. Okay. Right? I felt like the arrow would still not score well. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, cause I, I tried with, at least for my setup, cause it's funny cause I've helped other people set up their equipment and had like zero vein contact through a blade for me on my bow. Like I, I could never get my setup to shoot without some sort of blade contact. Yeah.
1: Very slight, maybe around the tip yeah, of the blade. And,
0: and, it, and I felt like it just on the long stuff was affecting me like the most. And when I switched to, when I switched to that drop away, like I hit, more long distance shots than I have in like my entire history of shooting. Like, you know, I've like 22 Bigfoot two years in a row now, like every, every 100, like I 22, uh, peanut mm-hmm. that you know, that I got the money dot right in, uh, in, in Oregon. Oregon and at the BC shoot. I mean, I put two right on top of each other at, at the, the one That's, and awesome. it's like prior to that, 100 yards is always like a little bit scary little sketchy a little scary for me like I knew I could probably catch the dot but like i have just felt way more confident and and I noticed a big difference on the long stuff
1: I think if anyone out there is shooting a blade and they're experiencing what Rudy is talking about uh with it being sketchy I would urge that you try an 08 blade and see if that doesn't clean things up. Or, you know, if you want to venture into the world of the, the limb driven rest and you got money to burn, do it, because that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But I, I
0: did also experiment with an LA blade and that definitely cleaned things up. But I'll tell you what I miss the most though about my Spot Hog Rest is that micro tune. Yes. That is the king. awesome. It's the king. Oh man, if if like Spot Hog made a drop-away rest with that same Kind of stick the wrench in there, and you can just just bump just it a little give bit, give it a little bit of a yeah, you know, little click there. Agreed. Like, oh man, like that would just breaking that would like make my day.
1: Undoing lock nuts and then turning a knob that doesn't catch right away just
0: drives me insane. Oh, especially on like on a hunting bow. Like if I could have that in a hunting setup, I'd be dialed in so quick. I mean, like we so today we actually did some broadhead tuning with Wendell here. You know, I did I sh- I shot my broadheads yesterday out to sixty yards. And, and it's like, you know, all I knew was just a little tiny, just a little, just a little bit of adjustment, you know? And so, and even though all the, the other rests have microtune ability on them, you know, you do have to loosen that bolt and then you, you, there's a little bit of slack there. So you, you can still have a little bit of margin of error. Right. With with the spot hog one, there isn't any there's no margin of error. There's it's a like, big there's a, a label that says, Hey stupid, R is this way. Yes. Right. <laughs> you know, so it's like you stick the wrench in there and you know that if you move it that way, that's where it's gonna go. Yes. <laughs> that's what I love about that. And it's yeah. kinda
1: it's it's just easy to adjust. And the Hamski, every single time I have to adjust it, I gotta give it a turn.
0: Yeah.
1: W- make a conscious effort knowing I'm making a quarter turn. Watch the line see which direction the line moves. If it's the wrong way, put that quarter turn back and then give it a little bit more and then lock it down.
0: And I did that to your rest today too. I was like, oh crap, I was moving it for you. And I was like, oh shit, I just moved the wrong way. I better move (laughs) Right.
1: (laughs) These are veterans here talking,
0: (laughs) adjusting our rest like babies. Well, I mean, what we're talking about is just a very minor detail. But I mean, at the end of the day, like I'm much happier with the limb driven system and i'm definitely a full believer on it i you know well,
1: i i'm trying to come around to being a believer of it
0: again but know. at the end of the day you got to do what works for you and so like well i know. think I, I think it can be made
1: to work i think you just have to there's something that i'm just not understanding about the hamski you know or i'm doing something funny with it that's yeah. just not it's not 100 but i'm working on it I'll, I'll get it
0: going maybe you need to fly out and spend some time with kevin Wilkie, kevin Wilkie, the master the master of the drop away
1: yeah, I would. I would love to. I would love to see what the beaches are like in Utah this time of year. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you'd mentioned Rudy, we were, we're kind of doing some broadhead tuning. You really got my um, my broadheads flying really nice. And you know, for people that don't know, I'm like a hunting noob. I'm about to go on my second hunting trip on Saturday, bow hunting trip. Um, you would kind of, you would kind of figured out what I. would done wrong with my arrow build. I originally was hunting with vaps, my target vaps that I just glued a, an outsert on. I epoxied an outsert on threw a rage broad head on and said, fuck it. And just, I'm gonna just, just send it. Um,
0: you know, you had urged me to shoot a hunting arrow and I resisted. I think, I think I was, what I was trying to get you to do was shoot a slightly stiffer spine arrow, a slightly stiffer. spine. Yeah. Arrow. Like you, you seem to be shooting arrows on, on slightly on the weaker side. And and target wise, which in, maybe weak to you guys, but Archer's advantage tells me it's slightly stiff. So well, you know, your broadheads are seeing the exact opposite. Oh, fair. Prior fair. when when you were shooting when you were shooting them, so so all I suggested was shooting a, a slightly stiff arrow. So I just gave Wendell some some uh, some carbon injections that were you know in a stiffer spine, um, and they pound. They. They're hitting, aren't they? they? They they hit. They fly right through hay bales.
1: Uh, they fly through my block target at home and into the tree in my backyard. Um, you also gave me... This is... Rudy's such a good buddy. He gave me some Grim Reaper um, broadheads. And, you know, like I said, I'm a hunting noob. And so all I've ever heard about are rage broadheads, you know, which are good um and then you gave me these grim reapers cause, because they fit the deep six uh insert
0: yeah i had some i had some extra deep six insert, some broadheads that i had on you know and so i gave them the one to try out
1: and they are really accurate
0: they i, I would say they are pretty much yeah, your, your last your last round of the day you pretty much had them they were maybe like like just a like two shafts low at the most yeah and that's, I feel, a, that's a four meter arrows so i mean that
1: I feel very confident taking an unethical shot at an Et- a- animal. You mean ethical? Yeah, a- an ethical shot at about 140 yards. I think I will. I will drop one
0: right in there. <laughs> well, I'm pretty confident in my broadhead setup right now. Yeah, look at that!
1: So. You rocking a really cool arrow. I'm shooting the uh, F the Full Metal Jackets five that, millimeter. It's it's a new type of FMJ, right? It's a camo. Or you know, something. it's that
0: limited edition that forest pattern that. They, like It was like on the old, old game getters. Uh huh. They had like this kind of like forest camo pattern.
1: And they mixed it with like the... Uh... Yeah, they just
0: made it in FMJ. So I'm shooting those and I'm like, I'm digging the kind of retro look. But on top of that though, just it's nice shooting a, a heavy arrow. What kind um, of broadhead? Um, broadhead. Um, I'm running the um Grim Reaper um, uh, Hades broadhead right now. It's a Sweet. three blade broadhead. Um, And so I'm going to be using that for elk in, up in Oregon next month. Awesome. So, and then your vein uh,
1: setup—you're using a silent. I'm
0: shooting, yeah, the Flex Fletch Silent Night two two hundreds. Um, I'm I'm really happy with the way the arrows are flying. Do you have a helical on those? Uh slight, like slight a, helical, uh, like very slight offset, and then the standard right helical clamp from uh, a Bitsenberger. I I didn't use my uh, last chance jig to build these ones. Um, I wanted I. There's one jig in my jig setup um, that I have at work that I really like. So like the number two jig on my jig, like I just like the way it, it's fleshed some arrows, so I fleshed them all in that one uh-huh. jig. And uh it, they've been successful. They've been really good for me for my hunting setup.
1: Nice. Nice. Yeah, you shot really tight groups out there today. I was I felt like uh like a noob. Shooting man, well you
0: know, I mean so it, so we're ending the target season and getting into hunting season. So, like this is a really exciting time of year because, you know, I feel like target makes you ready for, for for hunting. And you know we've we've been running a low poundage bows, you know for target I've been shooting fifty six pounds, fifty six to seven pounds, and then you know, with a really low let off, and we're we're shooting 100, 200 arrows a day. And then going to 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 events once a month. By the time you get the hunting bow out, like I feel, I don't feel rusty. I feel like I'm just ready in a week or two to get used to a high let off bow. You know, dial in some marks, shoot some broadheads, and it's like you're ready. Off to the races. Yeah, you know, and it's like it it's slightly different feel, but you just learn how to shoot it. Right. And um. Yeah, it's like and you know what? What's great is my hunting bow isn't all beat to crap because it's was my only bow and you know it gets shot as much as it needs to right before the hunting season. And you know, I don't have to I don't I'm not wearing out my strings as fast.
1: Right. It's like getting a it's like getting a brand new bow to shoot.
0: Well, I, I would say like, you know, we've been really promoting people to get into target archery. Um, but hopefully for those of you that are hunters, you know, it's like the target bow is your everyday bow and your hunting bow. That's, that's like your, that's your tool. That's like your, that's your baby. That's your real baby. Cause that's, what's gonna, you know, you're, you're going to take a life with that. Yeah. You know? And it's like, Hopefully put, why, why put and... unnecessary wear on it? Right. Shooting it all year round.
1: Yeah. That makes sense. You know, makes sense to me. Although I did think about that, you do my, need
0: to practice with it. That doesn't mean like not shoot it, right? Because and if your and if horse. you and if you don't have the ability to have a target bow or the financial means to do that, then you still need to shoot that bow. But you're know, going to be going through strings a lot faster, but right, you still need to be putting time behind your hunting bow. But I was thinking about setting my hunting bow up for indoor. Now, now you're talking nonsense. <laughs> no,
1: my I my triax is that thing's a laser beam. Yeah. Well, you you hands.
0: shoot that really good. That was a good, you know. I
1: think it's because I'm tiny. I'm like a tiny person, and uh, tracks is a tiny bow.
0: You're 26 inch drawing, 28 inch 28 inch axle to axle. It's perfect. Four for foot you.
1: 11. It's it's right in there. It's, it's right there. For me. Yeah.
0: Yep. So, so Wendell, uh, indoor. Do you want to talk about indoor? Or sure. You well, have time to do this.
1: Just to wrap up the outdoor talk, I have one more question for you. Who influenced you the most this season? Who made the biggest impact on you this season? Oh, man, that's a tough question. I know. I, I know. I just like to go out there and say Mark Rubio is, uh, well, Mark had a, Rubio had a big impact always, on me this season.
0: Well, Mark Rubio is just always there. He's always an influence. Mm-hmm. I would say that's a tough question, man.
1: How about I'm going to have to nominate Brandon on that one. I think, uh, Brandon kind of, At least for me, uh, brought about a new challenge, right? Uh, He kind of showed me that, you know, you're not ever done working. You know, right when I thought I can coast a little bit, Brandon kind of comes out of nowhere. He has a whole different work ethic than I do. He has a whole different style of shooting than I do. And um, he pretty much beat me every chance we met this year.
0: I'm going to have to give... I'm gonna have to give uh I'm gonna have to give my that that title to Emerson this year probably yeah as the most yeah. influential guy to you yeah because um you know we we shot the whole year together you know in outlaws so I think I think uh as your shooting partner you know um you you we learn from each other yeah you learn a lot from your partners. You learn you learn a lot from each other and I think you know, he got me thinking about, you know, a few different things and vice, hopefully, you know, he, you know, he learned something for me too. And so I'm going to say, yeah, I think I'd say he's probably this year, the most influential person, um, you know, you know, we've taken seminars and stuff in the past. And so, you know, in the whole grand scream of things, I think, you know, I'm very grateful to Rio and, uh, Logan for what they taught us in, in the last seminar we did, but, I do have to say that Dave Cousins still holds the torch. Yeah, I learned a For lot. overall. I didn't do the Rio seminar. Ov- ov- overall?
1: I, I did do the Cousins seminar. Yeah,
0: I'm going to say Dave Cousins overall is the one who really, I say, elevated my shot.
1: Same, same. At least he got my my brain to the point where it is now. And a lot of the stuff he talked about yeah. as far as paper tuning and, and... Well, what I like
0: about Dave Cousins' um, approach is like if any of you ever have a chance to take a seminar, like the one that, that, uh, like Dave Cousins offers, um, he, the first day he basically spends talking about technical things related to equipment and he goes through how he sets up a boat. And it's very simplistic to the point to where it's like, you know, I think, I think people probably think that he's going to whip out some special magical tools and like, yeah, he just he's breaks gonna it down. He's going to super tone your bow and it it's like he's like two pieces like the two most important pieces of equipment in his quiver is is the bow square yeah, the bow and square. a machine ruler. Yeah. And he's like with a machine ruler you can pop out Eclipse. you can do like a ton of stuff and make measurements and then and then a bow press obviously got to have access to a bow press, but I like his his very his approach is super simplistic to to bow setup. up um and um you know it also is uh conducive to note taking in the sense that when you're using um you know things like a square when setting up your bow to set your knocking point and loop you're actually making these notes yeah and you're actually writing down so set. if something changes you know what to look at right there's no guesswork oh i don't know what happened on that shot no it's like you you've built it you built it point. you, you have no. the specs you can look at them really quick and say no this needs to be changed and then um the second day of the Dave Cousins seminar, he works one on one with each individual shooter and then identifies what they need to improve on. It might be one or two things. I'm sure if I did another seminar, he would find something else that needed to be worked on. But right. but I learned my dynamic shot from him. The yeah it, that's where Yeah, you rocked a really mean
1: dynamic shot in Vegas last year that I I was I thought was awesome.
0: Yeah, so it was scary to watch. Like you were but, but Emerson got me to clean up my release hand a little better, um, and then also stabilization. I think I think uh, you really helped me out with that a lot this year. Oh, thank. You. But uh, Emerson Emerson's more the the psychological coach, right? He Emerson he will had tweak me, your form and your he had brain. me thinking uh, mentally about things a little differently. Right, and but, I'll just I'll tweak those all day long until yeah.
1: You know, it it weeds that part of my brain
0: out. But um, for Mark uh, Rubio, um, if you're listening, uh, we need to have you on because Wendell—that's all he does—is ever talk about you. So, well, Mark's Mark's a really good shooter. Like, I have mad respect for
1: Mark because he's a holds a national record. He, uh, you know, he he holds multiple championship titles. You know, throughout yeah. the last couple of years, he's just a he's a ringer at any event you could put money down that Mark's going to
0: podium at least. Yeah. And, uh, and he will, you know, it's funny you say that because this might be like a good kind of like end of show segue here is that one thing since we're concluding the target season here, I am extremely grateful to be living where we live right now because we have so much talent in the Bay area and greater Bay area that like really, I mean, if you're not doing target archery and, and you live in the Central Valley and or in the Bay Area or in the Sacramento or Northern California, you're missing out on an opportunity to learn from some of the best shooters in the world, in my opinion, some of the best shooters in the country. Yeah, you know, I agree. Maybe, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, and I'm not trying to take nothing away from the pros like Jesse Broadwater and, and you know, but we're, we're talking like guys that shoot about at that pro level that, yeah, they can mix yeah. up with those guys all and the so, time. So, you know what? The best thing I'm grateful for at the end of this target season is that, like, hands down, that we get to shoot with these freaking beasts Right. every month.
1: I just shot, um, I uh, was supposed to go hunting last weekend, but uh, instead I went and shot a FETA tournament with Mark Rubio and Randy Long and Doug Cro- Rosen and the Cravas, just so... Just so I could get out there and mix it up and do that exact thing. Shoot with some really good talent, you know? And Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's priceless. Anytime, especially you young guys, you up and coming young guys, anytime you get a chance to shoot with one of these guys, it's worth more than buying stuff for your bow.
0: Yeah, put the ego away. You don't know everything. Yeah, just go get Sit again. down and talk to Randy. Sit down and talk to Mark. You're going to learn something.
1: Yeah. I learned a whole bunch talking to Mark over the weekend and Randy. Like those guys are just they're geniuses
0: and they've been doing this for a long time. Yeah, speaking about hunting, they're they're quite the hunters too.
1: Yeah, Mark. Mark's uh, he actually invited me to go hunting with him next year. Nice. But I think yeah, I think Mark does it a little rough. He's like pack up a backpack he's, and
0: he's like the Puerto Rican Cameron Haynes. He's not Puerto Rican, is he? Yeah.
1: Oh, well I. I don't see race, Rudy, so I, I just never would have noticed. Well, I'm Mexican, so I do. <laughs> yeah, he's he kind of strikes me as like D B Cooper with a bow where he just kind of parachutes out into the wilderness and Yeah, he's like one of those guys that like walks like ten miles an hour. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: And so I'm I'm excited, you know. I just so Mark knows, I'm like jogging now so that I can be in shape next year. <laughs> yeah. Cool,
0: man. Um, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Everything sounds good. To all of you guys listening out there, um, we're also really thankful to um, all you subscribers out there. Like, I am flabbergasted at actually how many downloads we've had for this show. Um, You know, the subscribers is in the hundreds now, it's like a little over 100 uh, subscribers. Means a Uh, lot to us. Yeah, that's really cool that there's actually. consistently over a hundred people that actually like to hear what we have to say yeah and so with that said we want to hear from you too so please yeah tell us what you want send to send us questions about. it's so much better if you um put those questions on our Facebook page um the rootcast archery or send us an email at at archery at gmail.com and uh, I just want to
1: say thanks guys to everyone that comes up to us at these events and tells us how you know how much they enjoy listening to our podcast it means a lot to both of us. And, uh, you know, uh, State 900 is coming up pretty soon. If any of you guys want to get out and mix it up with me and uh, maybe we'll get some practice going at at, uh, SF Archers. I will be hunting. Sorry, I won't be there. But Wendell. Yeah, Rudy is going to go off and do his own sabbatical thing. I'll be out there because, you know. Trying to Wendell's just a better person. No, I'm trying to beat some children. (laughs) Some young adults need to get beat. (laughs)
0: Oh my god! You know who
1: you're talking. You know who I'm talking about. (laughs) Drake
0: Taylor, Austin Watts, look out! (laughs) Yeah, watch out, Wendell's looking for you. Watch out, kids. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, awesome, dude. Uh, We'll go ahead and end it with that. All right, peace out, everyone. Later.
1: That will conclude this evening's entertainment.